3: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing?
2: Ah, it's good to talk Nets, Nick.
3: Yes, we've been on a little bit of a break. You know, I was moving, Jack and I back at work, but fun to get back into some Nets basketball, plenty of topics. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And as always, this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. But Jack, kick things off.
2: All right, Nick. The, the big news of the past week or so has been Kyrie Irving, VP of the NBA Players Association, leading the way surrounding the uncertainty to a return to play in Orlando. Uh, what were your thoughts on Kyrie Irving as the, the so-called messenger? I mean, there were some other players that were sort of in support of him, but Kyrie Irving seems to be getting all the heat. Uh, I guess in general on the criticism surrounding him... And I guess on his just his thoughts in general about the the thoughts around the, the return to the play in Orlando in general.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously we know the history of Kyrie, but I think in a situation like this, you have to ignore everything in the past, especially because everything in the past is basketball related. You know, we're talking about teammates, coaches, you know, how he fit on certain teams. That's irrelevant when you're talking about real life issues, which Kyrie was talking about and has real concerns about the bubble and how, you know, the NBA returning will impact the Black Lives Matter movement. You know what I mean? Like, is that going to be a distraction like Wilson Chandler's mentioned for the net? So I you know I fully support Kyrie and any player that you know wants to take that stand. It's it's their decision, it's not mine. I'm not in a place and tell them how to do it and I think, you know, there's a way to see both sides. Like both sides can be right. I think there just has to be some type of compromise and you mentioned like the hate. I can't say I was surprised about it. It was upsetting, but you know, that's what you kind of expect from NBA Twitter especially when Kyrie's standing away from giving people what they selfishly want instead of what the bigger picture is.
2: Yeah, it's literally the definition of shooting the messenger at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Kyrie Irving his job is to and I think some people were debating like the He did a great job, stuff. if you ask me. Yeah, I mean i if if this was anyone but Kyrie Irving you know, where would, where would people be standing? If this was LeBron James saying these words, if this was Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think a lot of people would be thinking differently. Uh, and, and look, I've been a a big, a, a big critic, criticizer of, of Kyrie in the past, especially in relation to those flat-earth comments. You know, I think on the outlet and JBT and every other podcast, I was pretty savage on him as a teacher. So, I mean, I was pretty disappointed about that. But you can't judge one person's comments by what they're saying now. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't give credit and don't, separate things and look at the issue at itself rather than the person speaking on the issue and I know it's it's a little bit silly Uh, I just I I just don't understand how you know despite the fact that you know LeBron James and and a lot of other players think that going back to Orlando going back to playing can provide uh, and amplify their voices for Black Lives Matter I don't I I think that that's a good point as well Kyrie Irving and, and a couple of others Avery Bradley Dwight Howard think that they don't go back and they think that that can amplify their voices for the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't disagree with that. I, I don't understand why people have to be like, nah, that's wrong, now nah, that's wrong. I think, uh, especially as white guys, who are we to judge yes. what they think is actually going to give more press, more coverage, and, you know, just the. Uh, forward the movement and keep this movement going and amplify the voices and and make real change, get the laws changed, get voting laws changed, everything, you know, make a real impact. We don't know. Well, I haven't, I haven't been subject to systemic racism since I was bloody born. Uh, The systems were born against me. Having to look at goddamn statues that have oppressed me since, you know, my forefathers. And, you know, I think that a lot of NBA pundits, you know, were really, poor in their reporting yep. and i think that for me the the one point i will take away from this is that african-american reporters who have good rapport with players i.e chris haynes deserve more credit because the way that he reported the issue in comparison to adrian Wojnarowski as the quote-unquote disruptor i don't totally blame him for that i blame probably you know some intern probably came with the headline but the way he did report it was very salacious and a little bit like racially biased in some ways. That's how I took it. I thought that that was a, a bit shitty uh, for him as well. But I think that the issue itself, it, it, I don't understand. You, know, you hear, you know, my favorite guy, Kendrick Perkins, giving him shit. A lot <laughs> of people that just don't understand where he's coming from. It's just a be one way or the other. And a lot of, you know, dumb Laura Ingram shut up and dribble shit coming from a plenty of other people as well.
3: And I think another thing that's been kind of ignored in this whole situation is Kyrie's not like, this is what has to happen. I'm listening to you guys. I think there was a quote saying like, I'm willing to do whatever you guys want to do, but let's do it together. So like, if they want to go back to Orlando and that's like the group decision, he understands that, but this is his viewpoint and why he thinks that this will be more impactful for more people than just the NBA players.
2: Yeah. I I think that that quote really got lost uh, among all the chaos and that quote again, came from Chris Haynes in, in saying that, look, it, it was it was taken all about, like, you know, oh, this smells fishy, all that sort of stuff. And you can tell that that was some players on the Zoom call that were just a bit pissed off with Kyrie and were just texting shams as it was happening. But in in that respect, you know, quality reporting matters more than ever in today's day and age. And even when it pertains to basketball, because this is more than basketball, This is this is lives at the end of the day. And, you know, I think in general you know, you can be one way or the other, but I think there has to be some openness to it. You know, uh, I think Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News wrote a decent piece and he was sort of saying that a return to play could actually hinder the movement and actually be, you know, probably be impacted by the fact that, look, basketball box scores and, you know, Luca putting up numbers and and LeBron James, those are going to be the headlines. Are the headlines really going to be, you know, whatever the players decide to do to impact the Black Lives Matter movement? I have no idea. I really hope that, it can be more than just basketball that happens in Orlando if it does happen. And I hope that there is the freedom for players like Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley and others to continue the advocacy for black lives matter. If, if, and hopefully they get that choice. And Adam Silver has said that, you know, the, they're not open. They're open to all and, and all other issues, and we haven't really touched on any of the other the health stuff and the, and the bubble stuff and the quarantine. That but we're focusing on I guess pertaining to Kyrie Irving, and it is definitely frustrating. You know, Kyrie's just trying to give the the thing a platform. Stephen Jackson, uh, a, a real advocate for this movement, you know, a, a real friend of George Floyd, and and has been really doing some amazing things. Has been saying that Kyrie's been checking in on him every day and they're calling each other and they're crying with each other on the phone. So, I mean, if you want to count Kyrie Irving as disingenuous, you know, that's your, uh, that's your right, but I don't think it is necessarily correct. Kyrie Irving can be uh, misguided in, in sometimes in the way that he communicates, but if you look at recent history in terms of when it relates to, to real-life issues... You know, the things that he said on grief when um, he lost his, his grandfather um, and, and in the introductory press conference with the Brooklyn Nets. I think he can be an incredi- incredibly intelligent and eloquent guy. And I think that, you know, we lose the... lose the hum- I think we're continuing to losing empathy and humanity in, in right now, Nick. And I think it's a bit bigger than basketball. And I think that we need to remember that. You know, I don't really care if basketball comes back, if it means that laws are changed and, you know, there is equality across America and the world.
3: Jack. And I think that's what people need to see. They need to see the bigger picture. And I think like the whole thing with Kyrie, like you said, people are just taking so much of what they've seen in the media and the headlines and trying to essentially discredit what he's saying or saying that, you know, he's just looking to disrupt things or create some type of conspiracy when really... None of us even know Kyrie to that extent. You've seen what the media wants you to see. Like, none of us are to say, you know, this is who Kyrie Irving is and this is what matters to him. You know, we've only heard what he wants us to hear or what the media wants us to hear. So I'm all for letting anybody have a voice. in it. And getting back to the point we mentioned earlier, he's doing his job. It wasn't like this Kyrie Irving is the only person or the only player in the league that was like, hey, you know, we should maybe not play and, you know... Focus more on the Black Lives Matter movement, and you know, not allow this to be a distraction. He was kind of voicing opinions for you know players who were a little bit too shy to say it, or maybe they didn't feel confident because they play on a team with LeBron James, and they know that he wants that championship so bad. So I feel like Kyrie's done a really good job in giving other players a voice that maybe didn't have one.
2: Which is his goddamn job for the second time. Yeah. He's the vice president of the NBA Players Association. And, and he was voted recent-
3: into that position. I think people forget that. And they're like, oh, well, are you sure you want Kyrie making these decisions? The players voted him there. They obviously have some type of confidence in him.
2: Yeah and I mean even his own teammate you know thought differently in Garrett Temple you know another yeah. uh, another p- person who's a part of that association so you can have different opinions on it I think Garrett Temple's were a little bit misguided sort of I think that he was sort of saying you know let's just can uh, the, the best way of continuing to get get going is to you know get the bag you know that's going to help fight depression and I'm I'm I didn't read the uh, I think the article entirely probably was a bit more succinct than that but that's my main takeaway from it. And the, the main takeaway uh, recently from the, from the news uh, relating to Kyrie Irving and the return to basketball was that Woj was having to take back some of his word. Yeah. So th- those bombs uh, were certainly being diffused. And he's saying that he's speaking for more players than we thought. There's not great enthusiasm on playing in this league about going into the bubble. As many of people of Kyrie Irving stands and Nets Twitter said, uh, may the apology be louder than what was said in the first place.
3: Yeah, I agree, and I think also like getting to the point of the bubble, and you know, maybe not even talking about much social issues, but again, it's still correlated because you're asking, you know, a predominantly black league to take a health risk and entertain you and play basketball in a situation where maybe they don't feel fully comfortable or they don't get their fullest freedom. So I don't it, like. There's multiple levels to this.
2: It's it's so nuanced that you know, then thankfully there is still time to figure this out, and hopefully. All voices are heard and everyone's rights are pertained to because, at the end of the day, you know, we we know the superstars and, and the guys that have a chance to win a championship are going to be there. But, you know, what about the guys lowly on the roster? You know, the Chris Chiosa types, the, the Mo Barber types, these guys that, you know, uh, are worried about not just the, the Black Lives Matter movement, but their own health and their own freedom uh, in, and their in family's health too and their family's health. So there's a, a lot, a lot of things to sort of touch on in, in that regard. So, uh, um, Nick, I'll, I'll jump forward a little bit because it sort of goes with uh, where we're at. And Garrett Temple spoke to Malika Andrews uh, of ESPN. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw out some quotes to you, sort of what I was touching on a little bit, of that, a bit earlier. The difference in the economic gap between white America and black America is astronomical. I can't in good conscience tell my brethren to throw away millions of dollars in order to create change that I don't see the direct impact of. If there was a direct impact of laws changing, that would be a different story. Uh, That's one of the quotes, uh, and I'll, 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 I'll go on it further. So when people bring up not playing, we are a few black men that can make a little bit of money. It is not a lot of money when you think about it in the grand scheme of America, but we can start having a little bit of money, create a little bit of generational wealth. But the fact that us not playing will hurt our pockets, I don't think that is the right way to go about it. Um, I guess that Garrett Temple has his own views, Nick, uh, uh, about it in the grand scheme of things. He doesn't necessarily think not playing. And I know that Ed Davis, former Brooklyn Net, uh, said the same thing That's a Hoops Hype. And at the end of the day, that's that's his opinion. That's his view. And, you know, if that's what he thinks is going to amplify and he doesn't necessarily think that not playing will actually bring along any sort of change, then so be it. He has that choice and hopefully he has that freedom to play. I'm of the... I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that it's for someone who doesn't necessarily have that experience has to consider all issues. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe there truly is if the NBA and the players... Do get together and think of some 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 great initiatives to to bring um, a, a voice and and attention to the black lives matter movement and and to bring along systemic change i don 't think that they 're going to be changing laws uh, in any sort of sense of the imagination through what they 're doing, but I will say that it looks like that the protests and the rallying and and the outcries and the social media uh, attention has been creating some form of change. So I don't totally agree with what Garrett Temple is saying.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way to view both, you know, standpoints, like you said before, it's not really our position to tell them who's right and who's wrong. So, I mean, I get what Garrett Temple's saying and him saying like, hey, if the NBA doesn't happen, it's not like they're going to react directly to us. Like they're not going to make a change because of us, which they could, they couldn't. We don't really know. I can understand why he's a little concerned and seeing how it might lead to nothing because that's happened in the past where we have seen changes. We've seen small changes, nothing drastic or what this country needs yet. But... Uh, And I understand the other perspective, too, of the wealth impact. And, you know, we're talking about guys having millions and millions of dollars and impacting generations of, you know, their youth, you know, their family moving forward and how that can play a role, too. And then giving up this money could also make changes. So I I, I like I really just don't stand either way. I'm just I'm willing to see either standpoint of where these guys want to go with it, because I have no say in what I what I my opinion on doesn't really matter because I haven't dealt with dealt with the same issues they have.
2: God, yeah, and, and that's it at the end of the day. And um, I know a lot of people were arguing against Kyrie because, you know, he's he's got the bag before. He's gotten hundreds of millions of dollars across his career, and a lot of these guys haven't, so, you know... It does make it know, easier. It's, it, it certainly does, and I do understand that. Um, Carmelo Anthony you know, echoed the the sentiments of Kyrie Irving, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to to Ernie Johnson and he certainly didn't get the the amount of gruff that, you know, Kyrie has gotten recently. But, you know, I'll, I'll end with that quote, Nick, and unless you want to add anything to it, and this is the one that Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports actually put out there and actually advertised. If it's worth the risk, then let's go and do it. But if you're not worth it, it's okay too. We've got options for both ways. Let's just come to a middle ground as a family. Like, does anyone actually realize that that quote came from Kyrie Irving? It feels like someone's like, nah, that, Kyrie didn't say that. Kyrie didn't say that.
3: And it's not even like Kyrie, like I said, I mentioned it before, is like, it's not even like he's locked into one way. He's just making sure that they use their leverage properly. You know what I mean? Like, maybe ideally he wants them to come back and play basketball, but he wants to see the NBA make some type of drastic change that's going to help the movement instead of just being like, hey, okay, we're going to go sit in this bubble in conditions that may not be great, you know, take the risk of getting sick or a family getting sick and possibly dying, which we've seen with, you know, NBA players, you know, rest in peace, Carl Anthony Towns' mom. So I I like – I don't think it's like locked into this. It's just trying to make sure they make the most of their power and the position they're in to use their voice and their platform. And that's what I think a lot of people want to see them do.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I think that the criticism is way, way, way overbearing in, in, in going the way of Kyrio. Especially being. from
3: and, white people. Let's be honest.
2: like Especially <laughs> from white people. You know, I can understand it coming from, you know, even as much as I dislike the man Kendrick Perkins, because you know yeah. he's at least experienced the these sort of issues in his life. If it's coming from, you know, do four oh four on Twitter, just like you know, shut up and you shut up and go to work and you know go to the factory or whatever it is that you do, <laughs> mate. Because th- these guys are not just a product for your entertainment. They are human beings. They experience so much more uh, atrocities than we've ever felt in our lives and ever had to experience just because of the color of their skin. And that's what they're trying to change. That's what they're trying to bring attention to. That's what they're trying to level up for themselves so they can be on a level playing field. They don't want to be better than us. They just want the same things that we get. Um, they want fairness. It's, it's just quality and fairness. And that's what the the world should be more like these days. And um, I, I think we could go on for that for a little while, Nick. But was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get to some some coaching chatter? No, I mean,
3: I'm sure we'll be talking about it much more until things, you know, finally come to a halt or we see the NBA return because this is an issue that's not going to go away until there is change.
2: Yeah, the NBA isn't set to return for another six weeks or so. So I have a feeling that we might be touching on it again on the Brooklyn Buzz. And Kyrie Irving, keep speaking up, my guy.
3: There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.
2: Uh, John Hollinger, Nick, and this was a little while ago, but we didn't get a a chance to chat to it on the pod, and it sort of leads into our coaching chatter. The most important decision in the Brooklyn Nets era is who becomes the next head coach. Do you agree or disagree with that sentiment?
3: I mean, I think it's a fair case, but... You also could say, let's say Sean Marks makes a move for one of the superstars we've talked about. And like they add, let's hypothetically say Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid or somebody of that caliber, the coach isn't going to matter. Like if you have three, you know, top 15 players, three top 10 players or whatever it might be, you're going to be good enough to win a championship or if your roster is just super stacked, like you're probably going to win a chip regardless. The coach will play a huge impact, but I think probably roster decisions are more crucial. Like we've kind of talked about before, like talent is still, you know, the most important thing in the NBA. What about
2: the Bulls uh, uh, playing duplicate? What if the Bulls didn't hire Phil Jackson as their head coach, Would they've gotten six rings uh, with with him as their head coach? If they had kept going with um, Doug, what's his name? Doug something? Doug Collins. Doug Collins. Doug Collins. Sorry, I, I forgot the last name. There, it's a little bit early here. Um, <laughs> so, do you, how how close do you think it is in between sort of this head coaching hire and you know a possible third superstar and you know any sort of upgrades in this offseason that you know, will really decide whether the Nets are a true championship contender.
3: Yeah, I mean, just uh, reacting to that argument, I mean, like, if you remove Scottie Pittman from the Bulls and they still have Phil Jackson, I don't feel like they're the same team. So at the end of the right. day, I'm, I'm always going to lean to the team that's, you know, more talented. You know, you might have the best head coach in the league, but that doesn't mean you're going to win a championship. And like, you look at a guy like Brad Stevens, who's had really, really good teams. They haven't necessarily been the most talented team in his conference. And a lot of people look at him as one of the best coaches and they still, you know, lose in the conference finals or in the second round of the playoffs or something like that. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, like talent matchup and things like that, matter more but coaching is still a huge factor I'm not going to sit here and say like hey if they (laughs) hire Tom Thibodeau I feel just as confident if they hired uh let's say Mike D'Antoni or like Greg Popovich or something you know what I mean so it definitely plays an impact but at the end of the day if you have the most stacked roster in the league I feel better about winning a championship than if we have you know a less stacked roster and we have a top three coach
2: yeah, that makes sense. And I guess we'll touch on some of those guys in the news that came from the load Management Podcast where Shams spoke to and spoke on Jacques Vaughn being given a legitimate opportunity to head coach. And one of the quotes was, uh, this is a guy that comes from the Spurs background, has the same pedigree as Sean Marks. As far as I know, he does a good job at working with players, building that relationship. Uh, what were your thoughts upon hearing that quote and the fact that the Nets are going to be giving uh, Jacques uh, I love saying that name because it's my full name. Uh, Jacques, <laughs> uh, a full shot at uh, that head coaching gig.
3: You know, it's funny. I laughed when I heard it because we had just podcasted and we said, no way Jacques Mon is going to be the head coach. <laughs> We're like, imagine replacing Kenny Atkinson with Jacques Mon. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. I still kind of feel that way. I maybe think it's a little bit more possible after Sham saying it, but still like you remove Kenny to replace him with Jacques Vaughn, who's not a super experienced coach. Yeah, he has more, you know, NBA playing experience and he's won a championship and things like that. But still, I think they're probably looking for a bigger name unless Vaughn just really pops off when the NBA returns.
2: Yeah, and it's it's going to be something that we'll have to wait and see. You know, if we, we win six games and, you know, take the Raptors to seven, you know, who knows, that, that probably gives him, you know, a, a really good boost. Especially and obviously- with some
3: great adjustments in the series or something like that, you know what I mean, where he just, like, does something that people are like oh damn like this guy might have outcoached nick nurse for a game or two
2: yeah or maybe he unlocks you know a lob city version of deandre jordan and then katie and Kyrie are like oh wow like he can really get the most out of a uh, out of our guy you know there's there's plenty of scenarios where i could see it happening uh, but another guy that's in the running nick and according to shams uh, the dynamic between him and Kyrie Irving might not be as strong as previously thought is tyron lu we spoken about this funny enough on the pod you know a couple of times and the the initial news we sort of thought was like wow okay well I don't I don't think Kyrie Irving and Ty Lu had the strongest relationship and then you know as time passed we were like we heard different rumblings and tricklings out from NBA Twitter and the like that you know the the relationship had been repaired but hearing that it might not be as strong as one's thought does that hurt the chances of Ty Lu being head coach of the Brooklyn Nets?
3: Maybe a, a little, but I think we already had some concerns about their relationship. And like you mentioned, a report came out and said everything was fine. I think, you know, they they wanted that to happen. Kyrie would obviously have to approve and say like, hey, there's no issue between us. And at this point, it seems like everything's OK, especially because you consider Kyrie mentioned that he didn't necessarily be the best version of himself in Cleveland with LeBron. And, you know, we he mentioned, I think, last year with Boston, he called that called LeBron saying like, hey, Uh, blah, 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 like I should have done this, should have done that. So maybe he feels a similar way about Ty Lue. I don't know. Obviously, they have a better idea of their relationship than we do. So I don't think it would be reported that Kyrie would be okay with it if it wasn't the case because, like, another report could have easily came out and said, hey, Kyrie doesn't want Ty Lue to be, you know, the head coach of the Nets.
2: Yeah, obviously, it's going to play out how it plays out. And, you know, out of those two, Nick, uh, as of June, I think it's June 16 or 17, wherever we are in the world right now, Ty Lue or Jacques Vaughn before we get to some Coach Kenny news?
3: Yeah, I think I'd probably lean with Ty Lue given that I don't really know much about Vaughn other than what we saw in Orlando and his stint as an assistant head coach. You know, unless he really showcased something great like we mentioned before in the playoffs, I think you go with Ty Lue knowing he's led a championship team and he's led a team to the finals multiple
2: times. Before we do get to uh, the Coach Kenny sort of news more around that firing, uh, Brandon Scoop Robinson uh, had a bit of news uh, in relation to guys like uh, Stan ben Gundy and Mark Jackson, who have been rumored to be in, in the running for the Nets head coach. Um, and he said that he likes Mark Jackson. Uh, he became the, almost became the head coach of the Cavs right before LeBron's return. Uh, another GM had mentioned that there's, just, there's a good relationship there. Kidd and Marks as well, so we could see Jason Kidd as well. Um, And he thinks uh, on the other side of the foot that Lou and Kyrie Irving have mended the fence. So, just some little tidbits before we uh, move on to Coach Kenny. So, you know, you you read what you believe, there's there's certain sources. um, And at the end of the day, we have no idea. We just report it, we just talk about it. And uh, it makes for fun uh, podcast chatter.
3: Yeah. I mean, the kid thing is interesting. And we've heard like lingering rumors about it, like as a possibility. And people have kind of tucked it under the rug. But. If there's a strong relationship with Sean Marks, that obviously could play a crucial role in him having at least an opportunity to interview for the
2: job. Yeah, and, and that's it at the end of the day. And Nick, I'm going to hit on some uh, Shams quotes uh, from that article, uh, from that podcast, sorry, uh, relating to, to Kenny Atkinson. And he said, relating to the firing, let's start early in training camp. The offense he still wanted to go with was something that didn't vibe with his best players, from Kyrie to KD to Spencer Deerwoody and so on, which is a free-for-all offense. It wasn't a set regime, a set style. He still wanted to play the way they were kind of playing with D'Angelo Russell. And I don't think guys went with that as the year went on. I think different things became issues. And I think Kenny Atkinson, who's a great guy, a good coach, struggled to deal with all these star players and their wants and desires. The DeAndre Jordan point became a big one. He wanted to start. Katie and Kyrie were his friends. It's the reason he was signed to that big contract. Contract. Kenny Atkinson didn't want to start him. And that became a butting heads point uh, throughout the whole organization. So that became a problem. Uh, he also talked about the the Nets team meeting after the, the blowout loss to the Grizzlies. As time wore on, people started to see that it wore on Kenny Atkinson. There was a big blow-up in the team meeting the Wednesday before he was fired. Uh, A lot of emotions. And at that team meeting, meeting, as we've talked about, uh, KD uh, was quite vocal and he was talking about the championship habits. And I think that message rang true throughout the whole organization. And anytime KD speaks, it's going to speak up in a team. Everyone's going to listen. You match all those factors in and Sean Marks let Kenny Atkinson know what time it was.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of all things that have been hinted at. It's just kind of uh, like confirming it to an extent. We knew that, you know, Kenny didn't necessarily get along with Kyrie and KD and the whole DeAndre over uh, Jared Allen thing or Jared Allen over DeAndre was a thing mentioned by Zach Lowe. Just feel like there were so many issues. And also it just kind of makes you think that like, Kenny, like his job just drastically changed where last year he was coaching young guys or role players that really didn't have like a solidified role in the NBA and you're turning them into stars or getting the best out of them. And this year with this team, with the players they had, these guys already knew who they were. They're already championship players and they wanted to have more of a voice in what the team did and they wanted to have a stronger impact with that. And maybe Kenny wasn't as allowing of that. We don't really know the full behind the scenes, but that's just kind of the, the image that I'm getting.
2: To go fight for Team Kenny, um, just, just for the sake of it. You know, Kevin Durant did leave OKC because it was playing a pretty sort of, you know, individualistic style of basketball my turn your turn with russell westbrook to be in a more philosophically sound and pretty version of basketball in golden state and you know the nets don't necessarily have that but that they play a version of that and now that he, he he's with Kyrie Irving, he wants to sort of it seems at least in my res, uh, respect go back to that you know I, i'm just arguing for the sake of arguing i i guess and you know i think that among many things, you know, basketball philosophy, DeAndre Jordan, a lot of those things were an issue. And, you know, I think Coach Kenny is going to be around the NBA for a long time. I don't think he's just a good development coach. I think he is a good NBA coach in general. I think he's beyond that. And I think that the Knicks would be lucky to have him. And we might chat about that on a future pod. But uh, I hope he gets that job ahead of Tom Thibodeau because I think that he can actually uh, make an impact on the Knicks. And maybe I might actually half like the Knicks and keep an eye on them. But, I will get to Kevin Just Durant. one point, Jack. It'll be Go.
3: really interesting to see the next head coach and what system they implement. Like what, you know, what they're trying to do with the players. And like, we don't really know what Kyrie and Katie were asking. And like, is it something more similar to Golden State or is it a completely different system? Like, we don't really know what they're looking for or even how next year's team will fit with different pieces. You know what I mean? So that's like another underlying uh, storyline for the new coach.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably why I was quite high on Mike D'Antoni whenever that rumor sort of popped up, because he essentially just lets the superstars do their thing, installs role players into that sort of system. They're role players. That's what you do. You shoot threes. You play defense. You block shots. Whatever. And you know maybe that's a system that Kyrie Irving came into. What? Don't know. Um, we'll find out uh, in due to, in due course. But uh, Nick, and relating to, we'll get to some KD stuff, obviously. Um, we talked about a little bit him not being able to return uh, and not choosing not to return. And Mark Stein, Mark Stein of the New York Times said this. Uh, the best point for why KD is right to delay his comeback is that a condensed bubble playoffs could lead into a shortened offseason for, for guys like LeBron James, Giannis, all these teams that are probably going to be in that bubble or in Orlando, whatever you want to call it, for an extended period of time, which could le- lead to um, a little bit of rust uh, and, and wear and tear on those guys, whereas Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will be heading into the 2020-2021 offseason uh, and you know preseason and new season ahead, uh, feeling fresh and, and good to go. Do you think that gives them an advantage, and do you think that that is uh, a point in KD's favor?
3: Yeah, and I will say that was uh, something that I probably overlooked in the past, especially when the new schedule got dropped. Obviously, we found out like, the KD wasn't going to play a little bit before that, but given such a short turnaround, I think you would be concerned. Like, if Katie did play, like, you'd almost want him to sit out the first month of, you know, the next season. Because, like, you're kind of worried about, like, hey, we're talking about the final, let's just hypothetically say the Nets had a deep playoff run. They, their season ends in late September. Then you're talking about two or three months for him to recover after coming back from a torn Achilles. Like, we just saw in the NFL a guy who would recover from a torn left Achilles just tore his right Achilles the next year. So, like, I think there is some cause for concern of that. And I do think it kind of gives the Nets an advantage if they're feeling healthy and these other teams are kind of worn out because they just played some really intense basketball a few months ago. It can give the Nets a little bit of edge to start the season. Same thing for a team like Golden State. And then when it comes to the postseason down the stretch or when you're waiting for the playoffs to start, you have that cushion, you can rest, guys, and now you're in a really good position for a championship run.
2: Yeah, I mean, to consider the other side of it, I guess it's rest versus rust, you know? Yeah. Durant, Kevin Durant is not going to be playing basketball for for eighteen months, and you know obviously he's going to. It's not he's he's going to be shooting in the gym. He's going to be doing five on five. He's going to be probably doing whatever to to keep himself sharp. I don't doubt that, but it's completely different to playing NBA caliber level basketball that in sort of intensity. Um, That we know Kevin Durant can show, and maybe the rest is more of a benefit than the the quote-unquote rust that could occur. I probably think it is, but I do think that it's worth considering both of them when sort of saying before going, all right, it's good that he's going to be fully rested, but it's also been like, well, he hasn't played basketball in 18 months, and that's a very, very long time, and despite the fact that he's well rested, you know, he's going to have to find, you know, he's not going to be Kevin Durant straight away. At least I would be incredibly surprised if he is. I mean, um, in fact, I probably wouldn't be that surprised because he is Kevin Durant at the end of the day, one of the 10, 15 best players in the history of the game. So I really hope he's like gangbusters, you know, December, whenever the, the NBA season starts and he's putting up 30 a game, Kyrie Irving's putting up 25 a game and those guys are just dominating left, right and center. But I think that there will be some time that it takes for those guys to find their footing because they haven't played NBA level basketball for, for months and months on end. But I do also think that the rest is going to be a huge benefit to them.
3: Yeah, and I think you look at it from the perspective of like rust versus rest is like, hey, the rest might lead to them being rusty, you know what I mean, for the first two months of the season, but that's better yeah. than if they over, were overplayed and then they re-injured themselves and it takes them two months to get back from another injury. You know what I mean? Like I'll be okay with the rust because, hey, like they're still working towards getting to that level and that was always time they needed. And there's no saying that like playing a shortened season you know, during this, you know, July and August stretch would lead to them not being rusty anyways for the next season because it's such a short amount of basketball too.
2: Yep, that's a good point. You know, I'd much rather them be rusty than injured and have have any (laughs) reoccurrence of injuries. But Nick, there were some uh, dumb articles put out by some organizations in relating to Kevin Durant choosing not to return. Uh, NBA, NBC Sports, uh, Golden State said that Kevin Durant is coasting. By not returning this even this this season, and uh, W Fan Radio was saying that he's doing a disservice to his teammates uh, by not returning. Uh, which stupidity, stupid opinion, you want to touch on first?
3: Um, uh, man, I think they're both really stupid. Like coasting, <laughs> like he's rehabbing. Like that's like one of the least fun things anybody can do is like re- rehabbing from a torn Achilles, which I've heard is really, really bad. And then to say like, he's doing a disservice to his team when the team's idea before the season started was that he was going to sit out the whole year regardless, even if he was back. And like, we're talking about a guy's health and it's funny. This is coming from like, I believe it was a golden state, NBC warriors. And like, mm. Clay was never coming back this season. You know, uh, Curry, like, he could have came back sooner and he didn't want to. So, like, there's other factors here for those players. So, like, worry about the Warriors and their injured guys and uh, your tanking team before you talk about KD not wanting to play in the postseason.
2: Uh, Golden State being salty, it brings... Tears to my ears, not. Uh, <laughs> you Guys have got championships upon championships, and that, and the best player in two of those championships left you. So uh, have fun with uh, an ageing Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. We're going to kick your ass next yeah, season. Have
3: fun with
2: that. So, soundtrack. Uh, yeah, yeah, my hey, Andrew Wiggins could become the new Harrison Barnes, which is uh, probably even a leap for him at this stage of his career. But you know, um, he's, he's shown some, he's shown some stuff. But um, uh, he's certainly not Kevin Durant, and and the, to say that he's coasting, it's it's just stupid and an absolute just a. a off way off base you know obviously he would want to return this season you know the whole plan was to not return so he could be 100 percent for the 2020 2021 season and doing and he service-
3: achilles coming back to try to help you win a championship when he knew it would be a risk to his his uh, health and he still did it and you're complaining about him sitting out <laughs>
2: And, yeah, I know that there are a lot of great Golden State fans out there that don't have, you know, such stupidity in the opinions that they have on one of the games, great players. But this article was just an absolute... I I didn't read it. I just... When there are bad articles that have bad headlines, I just put them in, you know, a Google Doc so we can chat about them on on some form of a podcast. And the same was with uh, this one from WFan Radio doing a disservice to his teammates. Guaranteed, you asked Spencer Divin, you asked Caruso, you asked Joe Harris, you asked Jared Allen, you asked Chris Gioza, you asked... Derek Temple, you asked DeAndre Jordan uh, if you want Kevin Durant to come back or you want him to be healthy. Guaranteed, they'll probably say, Kevin Durant should take care of himself, so we're good to go for the next season. We've got this one. We'll do what we can to, to make this a competitive team. It's just...
3: Even Kyrie, when the season started, I don't know if you recall, on the media day, he was like, I'll protect Katie and make sure what happened to him with Golden State doesn't happen again.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and at the end of the day, who, like, it's... Whenever you're putting words in someone else's mouths and going like, "Oh, the teammates don't like this," it's just like, "All right, um, who's that coming from? Anonymous source B from you know Joe Harris's barista in Brooklyn?" <laughs> like, come on, just just stop with that shit. At the end of the day, uh, they make for the good podcast chatter. Kevin Durant made the right decision. It's disappointing for fans. I understand. We do want to see him, and the news that we might not be able to see him in 2020, 21. In person, you know, according to shams, that the the fans might not be there is also something that um, could be pretty disappointing as well. But if they're winning a championship, I'll watch them on TV happily.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think like a lot of the Nets players and Nets organization, like we mentioned, the plan was always for them to sit out. It's about this upcoming two year stretch. You know, this is the championship window. It could be longer, but this is what really matters, and we want the fullest level of KD and Kyrie.
2: Yeah, that's it. At the end of the day, it's it's 2021, 2022 those post-seasons are the ones where it it really does matter. And uh, we'll get to actually, I just got a notification for Bleacher Report, Nick, and I guess we can sort of touch on because it does relate to what we were chatting about at the start of the pod. Uh, Any player, and this is via Shams, any player who chooses not to participate in the NBA restart must notify their team by June 24th. So literally about a week away. Um, Eight days, yeah. Eight days, uh, American time. Um, does that surprise you at all that it's a little bit too soon or, or what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm not super surprised by it because I believe the pre-agent period is supposed to be like June 22nd. So maybe it's like, hey, this guy's not going to play. We need to get somebody else in here to take your spot. I'm not really sure because we haven't got a ton of details on everything, but I can't say that I'm surprised.
2: No, and you know it'll, it might be something we chat on the next pod, and and how it relates to individual Brooklyn Nets players, and and Kyrie Irving, and and how all those sort of people feel about it. Garrett Temple as well being a part of the NBA uh, leadership and in, in the players' association. But uh, Nick Joe Sai is uh, offering the ticket holders an incent- incentive to a new for Nets season, even though I just said that they might not actually be able to go to the games. But uh, I'll report it anyway. According to an email sent out to Zicket Holders last week, the Nets were going to offer a full refund on the remaining nine games of the 2019-20 season uh, or an opportunity to roll over the value of those lost games into next season. And to make that second option more attractive, Joe Sy has agreed to provide a 20% bonus on the cost of that rollover. Um, I mean, it sort of makes my previous, uh, this point, mute if there are no fans actually able to get into the stands. And that's 40% of the revenue for the owners and, and the players lost it at the same time. Um, maybe I shouldn't be actually, we shouldn't even be touched on this. I just realized.
3: I mean, it could still happen. I don't think they're completely ruling out fans for yeah. next season. So like there is still a possibility, I would assume if that's the case, they'll just give them back the full refund. I think I like it from Josiah, like Kong to give the fans a benefit to stick with the team and give those season tickets for next year. And also making it, obviously it depends on your tickets, how much more like a 20% plus would be but, like, it is tough times with COVID, a lot of people being out of work. It makes it maybe a little bit easier to afford tickets. Obviously not a drastic change, but better than nothing.
2: That's it. That's it. Um, and we'll get to a couple more, Nick. And uh, the protests uh, are still continuing despite what you might be seeing on on, on cable media, and cable news media. The, the protests are still happening, and the voices are still being heard, and and the, the young stud, Garrett, uh, Nicholas Claxton, is out there. And uh, on Instagram, uh, on Brooklyn Nets, Instagram, Garrett Temple and Joe Harris were having a, a pretty open and frank discussion on racism and, and justice. Um, I was and able to catch some
3: of that discussion. It was really good. Obviously, we know Garrett Temple has like is a really good speaker, has that leadership type, and Joe's very honest. So it was really like enlightening. I only got to catch a couple of minutes, but it seemed like it was a good show.
2: Yep. And also we spoke about Carol Slavert who was at the protest with um, his former college teammate, uh, DJ Wilson of the Bucks. Uh, The one thing that does seem to be quite positive about this is that the Nets are almost promoting this in a way. And sort of giving their voices uh, that amplification on social media, be it Instagram, be it Twitter, be it whatever social media platform. Just to give it that little bit of extra attention because there are the casual fans out there that might be all over the world that aren't seeing the is doing this thing, that aren't seeing that Nicholas Claxton, absolute young stud, is doing these things. So uh, massive kudos to the Brooklyn Nets social media team. Uh, they continue to do great things.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Nets team, a lot of the NBA teams around the league have done a great job of showcasing, you know, their players taking a stand. Obviously, there's a few. We're not going to mention them. that haven't done a great job, but shout out to the Nets.
2: Yeah, um, funnily enough, I saw, you know, we are going to mention them. Because <laughs> I, saw, I saw on social media uh, a list. I think it was actually Cam. Killer Cam put out a, um, a, a an infographic of, of the people who have the highest donors to, to Donald Trump's campaign. And it was pretty much all NHL, baseball, or NFL owners. And then right down there, uh, you see the, the Mr. Jimmy D and the, the, the Funky Bunch who's playing his damn guitar, and he was also one of those guys. So no surprises that uh, Mr. Jimmy D, JD, didn't want to uh, have anything to say about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the fact even mentioned that Black Lives actually do freaking matter and would instead rather stick to the platitudes. It's uh, a reason why no one's going there, buddy. If you want Chris Paul, maybe say Black Lives Matter. Uh, and maybe actually show some some goddamn confidence and and stick to your players. It's just... Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to lose my words, Nick, but uh, <laughs> did you want to touch on that before I get to I mean, split? you pretty
3: much covered it. I think, like, it's, you know, more of a thing, like, the Nets are more socially aware, you know, ownership hasn't always been ama- amazing for the Nets, obviously, considering what happened in China like that, but at least you can say better than what James Dolan is doing, and I definitely think players see that, and I'm sure players have kind of known that a little bit longer than maybe the public has, and that's impacted the Nets, and the Nick, the Nets, the Nets, <laughs> and, and they're not selling, I mean, they're not, uh, whatever it is, um, but, you know, it benefits the Nets, and they continue to do the right thing. Maybe the Knicks will eventually kind of clean that up.
2: Yeah, having the bar set out better than the Knicks is a a, a standard that's as low as as low as you can get. So, you know, they're one of the few NBA teams that truly have done bugger all, apart from the players. You know. And the players continue to want them make their voices heard. And, you know, we, t- we spoke about Dennis Smith Jr. I think on the outlet or JBT I can't necessarily remember which platform, but he was doing some great things out there with uh, Jake Cole. And I think it was in Carolina somewhere. Yep. But uh, we'll end with a, a dumb topic, Nick. And obviously we don't have a visual platform. So for those that are, are joining us on the podcast, look up the PS5 right now. Look up Barclays Center right now. Get those two graphics, get those two images in your head. All right, you got it? All right, so Nick, I put to you, is PS5 Barclay Center in disguise?
3: I mean, there is definitely a lot of correlation. Like, I, I didn't really think about it until you sent me this tweet about, like, how they look together, but you can see the connection here.
2: It's, it's I mean...
3: It's weird. Probably,
2: <laughs> it is very weird. We're all going to be buying it. We'll all probably get the Miles Morales Spider-Man. We'll probably get 2K21 because uh, Zion sweat looks better for some reason. Um, but, like, if you're looking through... Uh, one great thing about Twitter is not just the, the the tweets themselves, but then the responses and the comments. Um, and there's one, I'm not sure if you're on the tweet Nanek, but if you scroll down, uh, you get to the perfect cell version and the, the top of his head rather than sort of that helmet thing. Yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. The, the PS5. <laughs> um, the internet is undefeated. And I thought it'd be good to end with a, a bit of a dumb one on you know, because you know it's sometimes good to touch on some light stuff despite the fact that the world uh, isn't very light these days
3: yeah 100 percent i mean i definitely thought it was an interesting design what do you think of the ps5 design do you like it uh, or is
2: it just like eh, i don't care yeah, i just gonna buy it <laughs> i mean yeah at the end of the day you know i, I thought initially that the controller was very much xbox like a lot of my friends were like, no, nah, it's not, no, nah, it's not. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't really know. I'm not, I am I, play PS4 and I play a little bit of Xbox or whatever. I'm not a massive game. I know that you and Corey, especially, were getting massively into it. Corey was posting bloody Call of Duty video screenshots and stuff on, he, on his Twitter, getting some likes about that. So he's uh, he's getting into gamer Twitter now and now he's back to basketball. So good to see that he's he's back with us and back in focus. But, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to cop it. I'm going to buy a 2K. I'm going to buy all all the games. I'm going to spend $800, $1,000, however much it bloody costs. And uh, I'm going to be a chump at the end of the day.
3: The best one, I I hate to get off topic, but someone turned into a taco. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I I agree, Jack. I mean, it's it's not necessarily the most amazing design, but at the end of the day, you're going to either get the Xbox X or this, and they're both futuristic-y and whatever. (laughs) You're going to spend a lot of money, too.
2: Yeah, as well, and they've said, I think that PlayStation said that the the, the new PS5 isn't going to sound like a jet engine every time you're using it. So hopefully they work on that one because, uh yeah, it is a loud, loud console uh, at the best of times. But hopefully we get to play 2K21 and we're winning some uh, NBA championships with the Brooklyn Nets and KD and Kyrie lifting up the, the Lario B uh, in 2K21 and hopefully in real life as well. And maybe... In 2020, Spencer Dimity's holding up. Who knows? Who knows, Nick? Let's
3: go Let's go who, crazy. Who knows? Jack, always a pleasure talking Nets. Glad to be back on. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Like we mentioned before, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.